Thank you for joining us today for Wandering in the Word, where we read and discuss the upcoming week's lectionary texts at First Lutheran Church in Minot, North Dakota. Our first reading for today is written in the Old Testament text of Isaiah, chapter 65. I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. See, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities and their ancestors' iniquities together, says the Lord, because they offered incense on the mountains and reviled me on the hills. I will measure into their laps full payment for their actions, thus says the Lord, as the wine is found in the cluster. And they say, Do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, inheritors of my mountains. My chosen shall inherit it, and my servants shall settle there. The word of the Lord. We will read together responsively Psalm 22, verses 19 to 28. But you, O Lord, do not be far away. O my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen you have rescued me. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Our New Testament reading is written in the New Testament uh, book of Galatians, chapter 3. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we may be justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. But all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? Holy Gospel according to Luke, the eighth chapter. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And as he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people in the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, today is a lot of things. I mean, for one, here in Minot, North Dakota, summer has decided to show up all at once in full force and fury with near 100 degree days yesterday and apparently again today. 
that's something to recognize. On this, our, the third Sunday in June, our country celebrates Father's Day with all of the joys and the struggles and the grief and the mixed emotions that that can bring for folks. Today's also the celebration of Juneteenth, where on June 19, 1865, Union General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, where he informed the enslaved African Americans there of their freedom, finally, and that the Civil War had ended. And this is what we celebrate as Juneteenth. And then, of course, we have this weekend as well, the celebration of Midsummer or Midsummer, the Scandinavian celebration of the beginning of summer. And on top of that, whatever else is going on in your own lives. So we bring all of those realities swirling around us, and we approach then our scripture reading today. And what do we get? Well, we get Jesus and a kind of weird story of sorts. I mean, what do we make of a story of Jesus casting out demons from a man who had been suffering for many years and who had been cast out from his community and lived among the tombstone and the dead? That is a pretty wild story that doesn't really nicely fit with any of the themes we have going on today. So I think it might be kind of helpful, perhaps, at least for me, to put this story into a bit of context of the larger narrative of the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 8, which is where we are at, it starts with Jesus adding women to his group of his disciples. We get a long list of different women who have decided to, take, to leave behind their lives and follow Jesus. After that, we get the parable about the generous sower. We know the one who goes and throws the seed along, or throws it out everywhere, and some of it falls on good ground, some of it's on a path, some of it's among thorns, all of those things. And that's the, the parable we get. And then right after that, Jesus tells another story about nobody has a lamp, and then they hide it. They let the light shine for others to see. And then Jesus says that his true family members are defined not by blood, but by those who hear the word of God and actually do it. All of that stuff is in chapter 8 and is leading up then to the story that we have. Jesus and his disciples, well this actually happens right before too, but Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and they start heading from the Jewish country, their homeland, on the one side of the lake and head over to the foreign land, to the Gentile side of the land. And on the way across this lake, a great storm rises up. While Jesus is taking a nap in the front of his boat, his disciples wake up or wake him up, freaking out, saying, the storm's about to kill us. And Jesus just says, chill out. And he tells the wind and the waves to stop. And they listen. So all of this stuff, this kind of, upward trajectory of what Jesus is up to, even with the storm on the lake, now leads us to the story that we have. And it's pretty cool. So Jesus keeps seem, uh, seems to be kind of expanding everyone's perception of how God works and who God can reach and who God even cares about. And it starts in this story as Jesus lands on the other side of the lake after controlling nature, no less. But he stands there, and this man comes before him, and what happens? Well, we heard the story, but Jesus is now about to go and not just cast out one demon, which really isn't anything new. Jesus has done this several times in previous chapters, but this time Jesus encounters a man who is naked, who is cast out from his community, out into the tombs, 
And this isn't going to be your normal Jesus exorcism, or is it? Jesus shows up and instantly the demons recognize who he is. And Jesus is not scared of them. They are scared of him. Jesus asks the demon's name and it responds, Legion, which we are told that it is that that is their name because many demons live him. So, like you, maybe you're curious, what does Legion even mean? I mean, there's some TV shows named after it, and it's kind of become kind of common lore in some horror movies even. But I did a little research into what Legion is. Legion was a large, like the largest unit of Roman military soldiers. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 people, soldiers, that would be in a legion in the Roman army. And so according to the New Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible, yes, sometimes pastors don't just Google things. They actually read those books on their bookshelves. But according to the book, the, the dictionary there, it said that Roman legions were often stationed in different regions across the, the empire to keep the locals in line and to make sure that there were no uprisings or rebellions against the Roman Empire. So, to local citizens and local ears, a legion of Roman soldiers was not a good thing. It was oppressive, often violent outsiders, and a very real and scary reminder that they were bound by chains of sorts to the Roman government. They did not get to do what they wanted. They were oppressed. So the demon in our story, Legion, there's a lot, but there also might be some other kind of socio-political connection to that name as well. But so the demons in our story that Jesus encounters are many, like there's a lot of them. And this story takes place not in Jerusalem or in Israel's land, but in a foreign land, so foreign and unclean, in fact, we're told that there are pigs walking around, a food that was considered very unclean. So this whole chapter, all of chapter 8 that I've recapped for us, has been revealing and expanding Jesus' care and reach beyond people's expectations. Time and again, Jesus has done this. And now we have kind of this ultimate showdown with Jesus facing off against an army of demons and evil outside of his homeland. Is Jesus up to the task? Yes. Is God's power diminished outside of the homeland where God supposedly lives? Does God care about anyone who is not of Israel? Can Jesus cast out the legion of demons that are oppressing someone who isn't even part of God's chosen people? Sub-question, does God care about the oppressive Roman rule for God's own people? Is Jesus powerful enough to bring new life to this man? Well, we learn the answer to all of these questions in the first few lines of this reading is yes. God's power in Jesus Christ is so strong, in fact, that the legion of demons are frightened the instant they meet him because they see or sense or however that works that Jesus is not going to allow them to stay in this guy any longer. So they immediately ask to be cast out, not into the abyss, whatever that means, but rather into the herd of pigs that are hanging out nearby. And Jesus grants the request. So the pigs get the demons and they rush off the hill and drown in the lake. That's a whole other thing from the dictionary that I was reading that I won't get into, but it is kind of interesting. But focusing back now on the free guy, we see him now begging Jesus to allow him to become one of his disciples, to follow him. 
And what does Jesus say? No. Jesus sends him back to his home to be a missionary of sorts, to tell others what God had done for him. And that's what he does. All of this taking place not in Israel, not on home turf, but on the away field. And Jesus shows up miraculously powerful, kind of a superhero of sorts. And no, I won't talk about Marvel with that. But that is kind of the picture that is painted. So with everything then going on, friends, does God care about the plight of someone outside of what most consider to be the accepted community? Yes, God cares. Does God have the power to change and to save someone that we think is unreachable or we shouldn't care about? Yes, God does. Is God free to act and heal people who may not even know who God is? Yes. Can God work to cast out the demons we have in our own lives? Perhaps the demons of shame or guilt or fear or hatred or apathy or self-righteousness or the demons of division and selfishness or whatever else may be tormenting or binding you today? The answer is yes. Might that be done through a miraculous exorcism like Jesus had or through some kind of experience like that? Sure. But might that freedom come in the form of doctors or psychologists or counselors or others in the medical or mental health professions who God uses to heal us? Yes. This story, although filled with some parts that we may not fully understand or that sound kind of funny to our ears today, This story reminds us that God's care and compassion reaches farther and more broadly than we can imagine. Even as we read Galatians, our New Testament reading, we hear that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we are all made one through our baptism, and our earthly distinctions and identities are washed away. They are gone because we have put on Christ. This includes all of us, those we disagree with, those that are different from us, those in other lands and in other places, those in this sanctuary and those listening or watching wherever you may be, and of course you and me. We are one in Christ, not because we've earned it or we've done something, but because of what Christ has done for us and for the world. We are one in Christ. And this is good news for us, and this is good news for the world. And may we live in the freedom of God's love, clothing ourselves with Christ, trusting that our own demons can indeed be cast away, that God can cast out whatever it is that is holding us down, binding us down. God has the power to act in our lives. And that is good news for us, and that is good news for the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.